0: Okay. all right let me me say good morning to those who are on zoom and good morning to those who are in person and welcome to uh committed to discipleship we are trucking through this book um we are on uh chapter seven um how to train a disciple um follow-up and so we're going to talk about the importance of when you are recruiting disciples or when you are evangelizing um, to a potential uh, disciple, that follow-up is important. And so these last uh, few weeks, um, we've been talking about um, Jesus' disciple-making efforts and how different um, his efforts were compared to ours. And we uh, talked about the fact that you know, he was a Jew and his ministry was exclusive to the Jews uh, we talked about how he possessed all wisdom. He was uh, obviously seeing, um And so he possessed all knowledge. Um, he possessed every spiritual gift, all wisdom. And so uh, today, no one can claim that and don't allow people to tell you that they possess every uh, spiritual gift as well. And so, um, so that's a, a difference when it comes to Jesus' dis- uh, discipling efforts that he was all all knowing. And um, the people that he was dealing with already understood the culture of discipleship. So they were moving from being a disciple of Moses and now becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so um, one thing that they had an understanding of when it comes to uh, discipleship is that they knew that they were going to be lifelong learners And with our culture today, it's not really emphasized, Uh, discipleship is not really emphasized, becoming lifelong learners is not emphasized as well. Um, Many people believe that, you know, they have a certain training and they believe that they have arrived and that they don't need any more training that they know every ins and outs of the scripture but that is not so. We all need to continue in training. We all need to continue in learning. Um, and so that's one thing that uh, we need to really keep in mind when it comes to disciple uh, making. And so the, the way of Jesus Christ chart, this, here, this chart here, let me uh, show you all. This chart here, I'm a, um, for those who can't really read it, um, but it's in the, the, the PowerPoint presentation in the Dropbox. Um, so the way of Jesus Christ, um, in this particular chart here, it shows the, the way of Jesus Christ and other religions that were competing during the time of Jesus. Um, and so uh, what do these religions have in common? They offer a way of life. And so Pharisees have a, uh, offer a way of living. Priestly and Sadducees teaching um, offer a way of living. Other Judaism teaching, uh, even John the Baptist when, um, when he was doing his teaching and had his disciples um, offered a way of living. And so, um, And so these particular uh, teachings, of course, competing with the way of Jesus Christ, we see Jesus often, you know, speaking to Pharisees and other religious leaders concerning uh, questions they may have, and so they have one way of looking at the law and looking at Moses and the prophets. But Jesus is telling them, "Um, you might need to reconsider what you're thinking and consider this or, or whatnot." So, um, and so that's something <coughs> that we uh, should keep in mind when we're looking at the biblical situation of discipleship making. And so what is on the table for us today is the way that we live our life. Which way are we going to follow? There are many belief systems out there that is pulling at us, trying to persuade us to follow this way of living, follow that way of living. And so so we must be clear. This is the reason why for this class is we must be clear about what Jesus is proposing to us, uh, a way of life that is not natural that is not common and that requires discipline so this is the way of life that he's um offering to us and so um and so we must analyze does my life follow the way of jesus christ whatever he's proposing to us am i on that track Um, so is it possible uh, to follow the way of jesus christ without the knowledge of his word And many people claim that they follow Jesus Christ, but don't know anything about his word. They know religion, the ins and outs of religion and all that stuff. But when it comes to his word, understanding of his word, they don't have an understanding of it. And so according to scripture, it is not possible to follow the ways of Jesus Christ without understanding his word, okay? So a lot of these religions have this appearance of wisdom Um, Because some of their teachings in this chart, if you look really closely, some of the teachings overlap um, the way of of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at um, uh, Jesus, when he's talking to like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't completely off. They were on the right path, but then they begin to veer off the path. And so that's why you see these little arrows here, the veering off of the path uh, that shows us um, how... Um, uh, how men, uh, traditions of men begin to seep in to their belief system um, to the point where it pushes them off of getting to the, the mind of Christ or getting to know, um, know the ways
1: of God. And so um, this is what Jesus, this is what Paul had
0: in mind in the uh, book of Colossians and of these things, having a, an appearance of wisdom. And that's something that we deal with today. We see a lot of quotes, we hear people say things that just sound so good and that we think is um, even to the point where we put it up to par or even past par, the word of God. And so we have to be careful of the things that we hear and things that we see. And we have to filter it through. We have to use the word of God as our standard to make sure that these pretty little sayings yes. is the way that we need to be following. And so, uh, uh, so there are a lot of alternatives and options uh, made. It was made for them in the Bible days, and it was made, it, it's also made for us today, other options that have this appearance of wisdom. And so in 2 Corinthians, uh, go here, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion, raise against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so all the various uh, arguments, um, the appearances of wisdom, the things that sound good, we have to, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to destroy every argument that raise against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But if you don't know the word, you can't discern whether or not it's from God or it's from the world, okay? So this is why training in the word of God is so important so that you can, according to Hebrews 5, have the spirit of discernment. Um, so, so that's one thing that uh, we want to really uh, keep in mind. And so as long as we are saved, we have access to this divine power, but it's not automatic. You don't get it automatically because in Second Peter uh, 1 and 3, it says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, okay? So if you want divine power, it is through the knowledge of him, the knowledge of God, okay? Um, so Peter is calling out in this particular letter, he's calling out the, the corruption of this world. And then when we compare, you know, what Peter and Paul is saying, he said they both say that we have this divine power, but there are conditions. Um uh, there are conditions that must be met to access this divine power. We must be mature so that we can distinguish, like I said, what is from God and what is of evil. Um, and so we, uh, we have the divine power to tear down strongholds when we begin to learn about who God is and his word. Okay. So you can only tear down strongholds. You can only fight the enemy through the word of God. Okay. Um, and second Peter, uh, continuing on in that particular chapter, chapter one, verses four through eight, he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, you may be partakers of this divine nature, having escaped uh, from the corruption that is in the world because of what sinful desires for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness. And with steadfastness, godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from uh, keep they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We hear we hear all the times about if you just have the faith size of a mustard seed. But here in Peter, it says that you need to be increasing in your faith, supplement your faith. You can't stand in a mustard seed side. The mustard seed is for justification. It's just for to believe in Jesus Christ. I just need for you to just believe just who I am and what I did on the cross. That is the enough the, 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 the faith that you need. But here in chapter uh, 2 Peter chapter one, he says to what? To supplement your faith. And you do that through the understanding and and through the growing in the word, growing in the word of God. And from there, when you begin to supplement your faith, you you begin to have knowledge and then your knowledge will will control your belief system to the point where you begin to exercise self-control. Um, understanding the difference between what is of God and what is of evil, and then from self-control, steadfastness and steadfastness become. Then uh, you begin to pursue godliness, and godliness in that become. Uh, you you begin to exercise brotherly affection and love, and so it all starts with us increasing in our faith, and that is that is our walk. That is what our walk is about. It is about increasing in our faith and becoming. Uh, and becoming, uh, understanding in the truth of the word of God. Okay. So any comments or questions about that? That was just my little opening. So any comments <laughs> or questions <laughs> about that? So it, our, our path is about growing in God, not staying where you are, but actually moving, um, moving in God. Okay. So, um, so let's go ahead and look at our lesson objectives for today. So we're looking at how to try to disciple the follow-up. Uh, we're looking at uh, becoming more familiar with the importance of following up with a prospective disciple. So your work doesn't end in just introducing them to Christ or introducing them to discipleship. You still have to follow up with them. You are responsible for them, and a lot of them. And that's something that we're not really taught. We, we lead them to Christ or lead them to discipleship. We just leave them in the hands of the leaders. Don't call them. Don't check on photo. Don't do nothing. But you are responsible for whoever lied uh, that God uh, brought your way. You are responsible for them. So we're going to talk about that some more. Um, number two is learn about um, how to impart basic skills for training a disciple, okay? And so there are individual and corporate responsibilities as uh, developing disciples um, that we will look at in the scriptures, and then number uh, three is to learn four basic principles of making disciples. Okay, so are questions or comments so far. All right. Okay. So um, the textbook author. Uh, speaks on uh, making a disciple. He talks about it in an individual perspective, but from a biblical perspective, we have a corporate responsibility as well. Uh, From the corporate perspective, um, it comes from Ephesians 4. And 1 Corinthians. So in Ephesians 4, I think we're pretty familiar. We've been hollering this word for the longest. You should know this by now. Ephesians 4 and 11, <laughs> it says that he gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of god you can't run away from understanding the knowledge his word of the son of god to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ we want for you all to mature in the word of god we want you to be mature disciples there's nothing worse than having a church full of babes just running around tearing up stuff just getting out in in everything and even leadership running around as babes as well. We're ordaining baby deacons and baby elders and baby prophets and all that stuff and don't know, and they don't know the word of God. So we want to help you to become mature in the word of God so that you can begin to exercise your spiritual gifts effectively for the kingdom. So, um, and there is no expectation of us getting there without the deployment of local church be the local church being functional. Okay. And so in first Corinthians chapter three, uh, start at verse six, it talks of this is what Paul was talking about. I plant Apollo's water, but God gives the growth. Yeah. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Um, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building, according to the grace of God given to me. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each let each one take care of how he builds. And so here Paul is talking about on the work of ministry. This is what it looks like. We are building, we are God's field, we are God's building, and each one of us contributes to the building of each other, the building of the corporate church and the individual church as well. And so there is no expectation for the temple of God, the people to be built that is pleasing and acceptable to God without local leaders being effective, okay? The problem is that many churches they have gifted leaders, but they're not functioning in a scriptural way. They're not functioning
1: in a biblical way, and so in that um, there's no growth.
0: And so, um, uh, and, and many times, a lot of the uh, congregants don't know the difference whether or not their leader is functioning in a biblical way or not because they don't know the Word of God. And so, the textbook author um, talks about um, uh, this building. And we have to um, make sure that we're looking at what this textbook author is, is talking about and comparing it to scripture. And so that's what we've been doing these last six, seven chapters, is making sure that it's it's, it's aligned with the, with the word of God. In this chapter, it gets a little hazy. If you did the reading, it gets a little fuzzy. It gets real religious. And so you have to make sure uh, what you're reading lines up with the word of God. Um and so, uh, let us see here. So let's go ahead and look at our thesis scripture here. Kind of our main scripture here is 1 Timothy um, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And it says that if you point these things out to your brothers and sisters. So the previous verse, because here it's just jumping into a thought, but verses 1 through 3 talks about um, how uh, many people, people were focused on, uh, people were uh, departing of the faith uh, because of, uh, let me just read it. So it says, now the spirit expressively says in latter latter times, someone depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Uh, Through the insincerity of liars who consciousness are seared, who forbade marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected. If it's received with thanksgiving for it's made holy by the word of God and prayer. And so then it jumps in and says, if you put these things before your brothers, you would be a uh, good servant of Jesus Christ. So basically teaching them what's right and teaching them what's wrong. Okay. So that's um, where we uh, jump into this verse here. Um, You will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourish on the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Train yourself to be godly for physical training is of some value, but godliness have the value of all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So if you are involved in ministry, you are involved in training, studying, mentor, and modeling. But when it, when in this verse here, when it talks about, um, uh, train, train yourself to be godly, you can't train yourself to be godly. If you have not been trained in the word of God. Right. So <laughs> this right here is talking, talking to a mature disciple. Timothy is one of, uh, Paul's uh, leaders, one of his, uh, right hands. And so he's, he's being matured uh, as a, as a disciple. And, um, he's telling him to train yourself to be godly. And so you can't just tell anybody though to train themselves to be godly because it has to line up your, your training has to line up with the word of God. And so if you don't know the word, then you can't train yourself up to be godly. Uh, so, um, we, we don't have the discipline Uh, to train ourselves in godliness because the competition is too great. Common sense comes natural. The author talks about common sense and it's just, yeah, Uh, reason comes natural. And so that is competing with the word of God. So we already talked about in Corinthians that we need to bring down every lofty opinion and common sense is a lofty opinion that we need to tear down <laughs> because we believe that we should follow it's just common sense, it's just something we should just do, and it's just like no, common sense is of the flesh Anything of the flesh God ain't gonna like that, he don't like that so, um, and Jesus. these things have an appearance of wisdom, okay, so um, these are competitions and so we talked about how to discern between the two, we have to become knowledgeable in the word of God and it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. to get to this point it's not going to be an overnight a five session event or conference then all of a sudden you think you're knowledgeable in the word of god no this is a lifelong journey and so um, it takes a lot of um discipline and we must subject ourselves to uh the requirements god has set before us so when you become spiritually mature and receive training then you become an independent student. And and now you can train yourself in godliness. Okay. So uh, let me see here. So, uh, because at the end, we're going to be held accountable for the way that um, for uh, as us be ministers of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be held accountable for the way that we, tr- we were trained we are held accountable for the way that we study we're going to be held accountable for our walk and so but if you don't consider yourself a minister if you don't consider yourself a servant of Jesus Christ then what do you think is going to happen so many of us believe when we when we get raptured or when we when we die we just don't go straight straight to heaven but you well, got one step. To go. we got one step to take before you get to heaven that good old Beamer seat. And that Bema seat is where we're going to be judged uh, of our works and of our
1: ministry. Okay. You and you so if you, you want, want to be sure. You just use the
0: term you ain't used here before. What, what's Something the word? Bema seat. I thought I used that
2: word before. We we'd be running away from that because you be talking about foundational stuff before we start talking about that kind of stuff. I thought I
0: used that word, Bema seat. That right. Because yeah. that's <laughs> the thing that Come on. Talk about the Bema seat. Where, where believers yeah. will face the yeah. judgments, the great white
1: throne. Yeah. That, that's the, okay, that's the world yeah, okay, yeah. we don't want to
0: face the great white thrones, right, right. God okay, the right, right. so Jesus is, okay? Come on, come on. <laughs> so those are two different seats okay, so everybody thinking where did this one, but there's actually two seats, yeah, so where did
2: that term come from? Uh, it's in the scripture. No, I'm saying like what is that a part of the, what you mean like uh, Like where did the concept of the Bema seat come from and the what you was talking about like where is that from
0: Oh, where did I get to that point in,
2: the, in my lesson? No, or? Uh, so in scripture it talks about that. I'm saying like where do we get that terminology from where from the, the word Bema? Yeah, like that seat and all that kind of stuff. Where does that come from?
1: <laughs>
3: line,
2: about yeah, it was, yeah, I'm saying, was that yeah. a part of the the tabernacle and the when they were somehow the coming from the outer court going all the way in, like oh, it's all of that,
0: that? Oh, representation
2: no. of that process.
0: Oh, uh, uh, no.
2: Where okay. is it? That's what I'm saying.
0: Yes? Let me see. Okay, I, I see. I think I see where you're going, but it's not connected to the tabernacle. Right. It's not connected to that.
3: It's connected to the kingdom, like know, the heavens. <laughs> like, yeah, it's connected to it, you can, it's, it's connected to the eternal life. Yeah, it's eternal, eternal life. life. Yeah. The tabernacle
0: yeah. can take us all the way to where we now be coming for God. So you, you're ask asking if there's like a uh, a shadow, like a foreshadow. Like yeah, because the, the, the
2: tabernacle was a shadow when he gave it to Moses was a shadow of heaven and things that were in heaven. So I'm going I was thinking about the the process of like the outer court going all the way into the holies, holies. I mean, you could.
0: consider the outer it? court? Because you're not technically in in God's abode or God's house yet. So that's and why I was trying to figure out where is it I'm in the, have the to, process. I'm about to look uh, at that deeper. But okay. I, I,
2: heard beam I, I heard the bema seat. I heard the bema seat, but then my yeah. brain took me to something I yeah, studied. Yeah, yeah, I was I like, seen. I ain't
3: never heard of
2: that. Yeah, I, I heard, heard
3: it. it. I've heard of the judgment seat. One god of those is going to go before. For God because mm-hmm. they did not receive Christ, blah blah blah. Then, for those of us who have received Christ, we go for the judge according to our works mm-hmm. and how we live, how we live so far, rewards and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've never
2: heard B because that C, if I'm not mistaken, I thought it was, it was. See, now I'm getting into something else because that C, because the script, I might have to go look because okay. I think that was where they were saying it was that it was like originally, yeah, I might have to. Yeah, because there was a way it was created that in scripture, the, Israel actually had a natural form of it. And it was a reason why it was created the way it was. That's why I was like, that's the only place I could think I would have learned that term from. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I was so, trying to put my not- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm you like, be, be skipping stuff like that on purpose. Uh, like, I, we no, got I'm to get not- the foundation. Not-
3: we got to get some foundation before we talk about that. I that. True
0: right, true But that. I have talked about the you know, uh, judge for your words. I have. Yeah, 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 yeah that, But sure. I guess I
3: haven't used the word be- the be- fancy time Yes. I, I, we yeah. got disconnected on leaving. <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh,
0: okay. I was <laughs> Certainly, of the book of Revelation.
2: Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <foundational not> <laughs> I can not even get her to teach us on these things because she like. Ah! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm like, they ain't important. They ain't important. They ain't important. Like, Jesus for it, but it ain't like. But
0: Jesus still all over. He, he did. He did. But I'm just he saying, it's like it's voice. a part of the.
2: You know, but she's like, no, I'd rather us get this right. I'm like,
3: okay, yeah, then we can get to that point. Like, get
2: but, to revelation. but but all that is kind of connected.
0: Right. You gotta learn about this old testament. That's the only way that revelation is gonna make sense. Though. Hello?
3: Like, yeah, <laughs> ready. Okay, all right, I say y'all
0: ready. So this <laughs> survey of Revelation that's gonna this, right that, take
2: that the whole year, probably man. <laughs> We
0: man, mad. man. <laughs> the next three years are necessary. Right, because I'm like, let me see. When we take it it's so through our program, it's 16 weeks. Oh, that's double the yeah. wow. Usually, right, because so each class is eight, but this one's a six. So, you know, weeks. for us, it would be about
2: 35. Right,
3: weeks. that's why I'm like, we're going to do it for two weeks. Yep,
0: I'm with it. All right, so. All right, let me get back on track here. Amen. So, when y'all get a chance, go ahead and look up the meme, Okay. Right, I'm looking at it now. But I know it. <laughs> I know that I was trying to look uh, at the book that I used real quick, but it wouldn't pull would up enough for me. All right, so let me go back here. So what are we supposed to be talking about. Right, my bad. The our baby now born. All right, so when we talk about, here's a question that I'm going to pose. Um, When we talk about spiritual maturity, what do we have in mind when we say somebody is spiritually mature? It's a question.
2: I mean, what you hear a lot of, well, I know for me, spiritually mature, I've always looked at like those who are, they really, really, are learning and growing in the word. Okay. Like, you know, spiritually mature, like, of course, because we all grew up in Christian-based churches, you know, it was like the pastor, because he was teaching most of it. And okay. then going to Sunday school, it was like, oh, okay, which a lot of our deacons taught growing up. They taught the Sunday school. It was like, you know, okay, because they're teachers and they're learning and they're helping us to learn as well. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Um, i'll sum it up for me spiritual maturity is understanding those things that, uh, that relates to the spirit okay uh, mm-hmm. a spiritual life how the word the word of god how uh, it is processed in the natural mm-hmm. way of living so to me that's why i call the true riches you understand the spiritual life in the spiritual way because god is a spirit. Mm-hmm. Either worshiping or worshiping or mm-hmm. the spirit you worship Him especially spiritual you understand the spiritual things
0: okay okay anybody else what about on zoom
1: when you can start to really love the way you're supposed to love
0: what you say
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is a way of showing
0: that you are spiritually mature anybody else
1: spiritual maturity to me uh, means, um, you know, spend time with God, um, also, you know, um, just like, um, Elder Tracy said about the love, you know, the Bible said, if you're going to have all of this, you know, everything else preached, be the best preacher, best prophetess, and all of that, but if you don't have no charity, you know, um, you know, and also continue to grow and learn more, um, in his word, and also your response, how you respond to things, um, to me, having, um, godly conviction, like which one thing I thank God of, you know, when it comes to me, like if I do something, I instantly know how to get up. I need to repent and ask God to forgive me. And you know, turning away from that sin. Um, so just having love, you know, to me, godly conviction, you know, getting in your word, spending time with God, um, you know, and you know, your response to things and knowing that you can't respond the the way you used to respond in your old nature.
0: Okay, that's good. That's good. Anybody else? When you hear spiritual maturity, what do you think that means?
2: Also, wouldn't that mean that concept of hearing the word? And I think we talked about this in Bible class or one of these sessions, all this stuff just runs together. (laughs) together. Uh, I'm like, I don't know, but then I'm like, but that thing intranet made the comment and we all was like okay uh, that not only hearing the word receiving it but also being able to understand it and carry it out mm-hmm. you know not just oh I heard the word today great but it's like also allowing that word to become who you are mm-hmm. you know
0: yep I think you all have hit it right on the head it's about knowing the word but at the same time be able to carry out that word so it is how you respond to daily situations. Um, when, it comes to, when it talks about in Ephesians 4, what is the objective of this Ephesians 4? To get you to a point of becoming hidden in Christ. So your behavior and your attitude are orchestrated by the word of God. So you guys hit it right on the head. So um, it shows in the way you respond, like what Tracy said, loving one another. So when you become knowledgeable in what the scriptures is saying about love, then you should be able to put
1: that in action.
0: Yeah. So I uh, talked about your response to things. And so you can spend time with God all day long and who can decide, but it's all about your response to your daily situations. Right. And so, yes, you guys got it right, right on the head. Um, and so to the point where they can't see us, but they, all they see is Christ. So that is uh, spiritual maturity. So in the things you say, your values, and how you carry yourself. Uh, so discipleship is the process. Um, it's is about learning the word of God and yielding to the Holy Spirit. So we're moving towards Jesus Christ, okay? So the more we learn his word, um, the more we learn his, his, uh, his word, our living is, is, becoming too, uh, is being conformed to what I know about him. So I'm not just learning, I'm not just obtaining all this knowledge, but I'm putting it in action. My life is being transformed. So transformation is the key, always the key when it comes to uh learning the word of christ becoming spiritually mature i'm being transformed okay so that's that's good that's good and so no one uh wants to follow a person who always say good things but their actions say another thing and so that's a lot of downfall and many of our leaders they may they may preach or do a sermon they say good things or whatever but when you when the when the when they leave the church, it's another story, and their house is another story. How they conduct their families and conduct their life, it is another story. So we want to be able not to be two sided or two faced, but we want to be a continual person. Meaning that however I am in front of you all is how I am even in the uh, closed doors of my own home. Okay, so another term for spiritual maturity is. Bearing fruits. You want to be fruitful. And so bearing fruit. And spiritual maturity is the same concept. So how do I. uh, Bear fruit. By abiding in his word. Abiding in Jesus. So as a result of bearing fruit. God is glorified. So in John chapter 15. Verse 7 through 8. It says that. If you abide in me. And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish it to be done for you for this. My father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So to prove to be my disciple. Okay. So those who are following his word and doing his word have the privilege, according to this scripture, to ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That
1: is asking according to his will. According to His Word, okay.
0: So don't get all wild. So about to ask God for 1.5 million dollars because I'm a follower, you know, of Jesus Christ, he don't do it. No, it's according to his will and according to his word that he will grant whatever you ask or wish, but when you become spiritually mature, then you're able to put those carnal thoughts away, those baby thoughts away anyway, so you want to be asking God for stuff like that anyways. And so, uh, it says by this my father is glorified and you will bear much fruit, okay? All right, so let's continue on. We're just laying the foundation before we hop into this book because this this chapter is something else. Okay, Um, let me go back. So um, let's go to the slide here. It says, there are times in our lives of God's people when each of us are used by him to evangelize the world through personal situation and relationships. This is true, and this can happen in the life of any saved person. But there is no doubt that the Bible teaches that those who are committed and prepared for this work as Jesus' disciples are mostly chosen by God to do this work, okay? So can any safe person proclaim the gospel? Yes, they can. But biblically, not really true. So can there be exceptions to that? Yes, there, there, are, there can be exceptions. But our lives should not be governed by the exception. Our lives should be governed by the rule, okay? And so um, uh, at the end of the day, that we must be trained to preach and to minister. And in John 17, um, in Jesus' priestly prayer to his disciples, he's praying, he even says, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for the disciples. And he says this, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Uh, Your word is true. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus is not sending anybody to the world. He is sending his disciples into, into the world, okay, to proclaim and preach the gospel, okay? Um, going back to the slide, it says Jesus spent his earthly ministry mostly in teaching and training his disciples for, uh, for this work, okay? Um, and so he spent all of his ministry doing teaching and training, okay? And we must not undermine this work. If Jesus did that for for uh, throughout his ministry, then we should as well, okay? Um, sorry, I didn't mean to go, go ahead. Let me see here. We go to the next one. There we go. So after the gospel of Jesus Christ have been presented to an unsaved person and they accept it, then follow up. Is the responsibility and the work Of the person who led the new believer To the saving grace of Jesus Christ That is your responsibility Okay So we talk about proclamation And evangelism We talked about you know uh, All that stuff about uh, uh, Proclaiming The word of God to unsaved people and so we don't want To leave them where they are though Our Our that person is now your responsibility. So you can't just throw them to one of the leaders, say, hey, she, she professed Jesus Christ, you know, just do, do what you need to do. No, you still need to follow up with that person, call that person, pray with that person, because they just made a life decision, a huge decision of accepting Jesus Christ as their savior. And they need somebody to, uh, help, uh, to mentor and to model their. And so, uh, uh, so in the on the slide it says. uh, However, this is rarely the exception in the culture among the church world today. Uh, Why not? I believe the answer is simple. As believers today, we do not see ourselves as Jesus' disciples, Um, and so consequently, we believe that it is someone else's job—the preacher or church leaders—to disciple the believer. So you may ask like, well, I'm a new disciple too. Like I'm not really, I haven't been in this long. Um, then the disciple, you know, no matter where you are, um, on the spectrum, if the Lord uses you to be an Andrew, then you must accept the truth that the Lord will lead you and he will guide you. He's, um, you must recognize, uh, your responsibility for mentoring and modeling. So you may not be Able to guide them in all the scriptures, but at least show them your dedication to learn more about, learn more about God. So you're coming to church, you're being involved in uh, fellowship and growing in the word of God. If they see at least that, more than likely, if that will keep them on track too. And so, uh, so trust the Holy Spirit that you can be a guide just in the little things that you have learned so far. Okay. Um, so Andrew, when it comes to Andrew, Andrew wasn't claiming that he was his mature disciple. He literally just met Jesus, and he ran to Peter and was like, "You know, follow me as I as I follow Christ. Like we we can uh, we can uh, follow be on this walk together. Uh, and so uh, no matter where we are, we should see ourselves uh, in in process or in in the in the progress of being a mature disciple, and we have not arrived. So don't feel pressured. Uh, to make yourself an expert of Jesus Christ, and you just became a disciple. So just, just enjoy the ride, pretty much, <laughs> uh, when it comes to um, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And even Paul says it in Philippians 3 um, three and 12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or, or am already perfect. He talks about that Um, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So you possibly continue to press on, continue to run this race, okay? And so uh, you're not going to be uh, a genius of Jesus Christ overnight. So just enjoy enjoy the process, okay? So um, we must come to realize that the command that Jesus gave his disciples could never be fulfilled if they had expected all new believers to come to the temple. And so that's one thing that we look at today. We, we tell all new believers just come, come to church or even not even getting them saved, but we just want them just come and speak to my pastor and all this stuff. But, um, but, uh, when we look at even Looking at Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he didn't wait to bring that Ethiopian eunuch to the temple to be saved. He walked him through right then and there. Okay, Philip the evangelist, he was a true evangelist. And uh, he walked the Ethiopian eunuch through the steps of salvation right then and there. And so um, even though um, bringing new believers to the temple did occur in, in Acts, in the beginning of Acts, eventually the disciples moved their gatherings into, into homes. Okay. And so, um, remember we talked about how the, the new church, they met in the temple gates and began to, um, teach in the temple. And yet they, at the same time, they were um, evangelizing, uh, people who were in the temple as well, like going, you know, passing by, going to whatever they're doing, they did the evangelism there, but they came to a point where they could no longer come to the temple But they had to meet in homes. And so uh, we see, let me go back. In Acts 12 and 12, we see this. It says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. So John Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Okay, so they remember John Mark, mama had some money. So she had this big old house, and so she hosted people there uh, a lot. So they were hosting their meetings, their teachings, and praying together in John Mark's mom's house. And um, in Romans 16 and 5, it says that, Greet also in the church in their house. Greet my beloved um, who had who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. And then he talks about in 1 Corinthians 16 and 19. I think that's so amazing. He said, first convert to the church in Asia. Yes, amazing. Um, he talked about in First Corinthians 16 and 19. He said, The churches of Asia send your greetings, Aquila and Priscilla, together uh, with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings to the Lord. So as we see, we see the progression of them being in the temple during the, during the ministering, doing the teaching in the temple. And eventually, of course, circumstances and situations pushed them away from the temple. And now they are in homes doing the work of the Lord. OK? Who is, right, who is related to This Was it
2: John or Mark's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. mama or his dad? child. Because Mark is related to Barnabas. Yeah, they have been related. So I'm just curious because I'm like, I wonder if Barnabas had a little money too. You know what I mean? Hmm. That's, I
0: can't recall.
2: That just hit me a little different. Like he on I'm these mission to, journeys, but he potentially had a little money too to kind of help him. I
0: want to say the mother. I want to say the mama too. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like he probably had a little money I too to help these. Because I
1: think it says in that scripture. Because
0: I'm like, it's got to be around X. Yep. somewhere near seven, twelve. Yeah, when John Mark about twelve yeah.
2: so, I love. But yeah, but I was just wondering now. Know. Like I wonder if Barnabas had a little, a no,
0: little
2: money too. All. She, had love.
1: she had whatever all. business she had. <laughs> he was working for her. <laughs> <laughs> they don't say that in scripture, right? <laughs> 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 my,
3: it might. I don't know. So yeah. I have to, uh, look at that again. around Acts
0: 12-13 talks about yeah when Mark and Barnabas were with Paul and all that stuff. Um, Okay, so let's go back to the slide here. Um, uh, In the part of the paragraph, it says, for this work, evangelism and edification to continue, and I must come to a place in our lives where we first understand that it is a call upon our lives to do the work. Um, uh, In 2 Timothy uh, 4 and 5, um, it says that, um, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Um, and then in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, um, it says that, therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. So that is our work that we should be doing continually doing the work of the ministry, encouraging and lifting and building one another up. So um, uh, it is the work for all of us to do. So not just certain people should do this work. It is a call on our lives to to do this work, okay? And so the question that you must ask is, have you been called to do this work? Have you accepted this call to to be a disciple and and to preach? Um, have you been called to teach? Have you been called to counsel? Have you been uh, have you been called to exhort? Um, and so we say uh, when we understand the scriptures, uh, that's where we see that see where we are called at. So it doesn't have to happen in any type of mystical way or in dreams or vision. The scripture says that you're called. And so therefore, this is something that you can accept or deny, but um, once you become knowledgeable in that, in that, then you have to make the decision, okay? Um, and number two, it talks about, let me go back to the slide here. Um, it says, two are committed to this work every day and expect the Holy Spirit to open the opportunities in all areas of your life. And so we must be sensitive and eagerly waiting Awaiting the opportunities to make Disciples Okay Um, Another slide it says follow up involves Our understanding that the Lord has Given us the gift of fellowship So fellowship involves A recognition among God's people That they have a responsibility from one another's well-being and spiritual growth, okay? But when it comes to fellowship, we have to do better uh, in reaching the goal of what fellowship is, what God intended for us to, to, to uh, what fellowship should look like. So our conversation, I think we, I think he talked about this before, our conversation cannot be of gossip and putting people down and, and talking about other people, but it must be about building each other up. so that's something that I know I need to work on when it comes to gathering with people that we have a a goal in mind we just can't let conversation just go any any way um as a mature disciple we should be able to veer it off that path and bring it back on and so uh we must encourage one another in the word of God so this work is on ongoing um so it's not just encouragement just in this classroom setting but it's when you're sitting in the restaurant, when you're sitting in Longhorn, when in you're the sitting in, <laughs>
3: in the parking lot, for sure.
0: anytime, <laughs> our conversation should be of God, okay? Because sometimes situations may pull us out of that. You know, the waitress was nasty and slow, and so we ready to crack on him and all that stuff. So just, just like I, as Tanya said, it is our response. That uh, determines
2: whether or not we are mature as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> I know we have. There was a, a, a we had a little issue here some years ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've been at this a minute, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody said, "I heard you was talking about me," mm-hmm. and I said, "No, what are you talking about? You know, yeah, because everybody think you are talking about them. Right. And they just They're they." Normal. You know the enemy gives them this thought, and we've all been there. Like I bet they talking about, me. I bet Tammy and Mother are talking about me. That's why they all of a sudden, not knowing y'all, done planned y'all to eat and all month. You know what I <laughs> mean? But I don't convince myself because me and Mother had an issue. Now they want to go out eat. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like the enemy will do that, <laughs> right? But the enemy will do that, and I've, I've also had to. I had we had a situation, and I think I called. One of y'all for some counsel because I knew I was gonna to have to deal with the problem. Um, probably, Lindsay. Oh. No, nah, because this was this was probably one of y'all because he probably already knew about it. Right. He right. the one probably called it. me and triggered me. Right. <laughs> triggered uh-huh. me about because at that time it probably came out of that music department. Anywho, no, I'm joking. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Tell me, I'm lying. You think, <laughs> <gonna be> <laughs> <anymore>? <laughs> you think I'm more mature? Worship ministry now, you know. But I'm just saying, like, I remember because in some cases, and I had to tell. Oh, now I know the situation. Now I had to specifically tell them, like, listen. Number one, what nobody talking about you, but there's also a conversation among leaders that has to be mature enough to say, "This is what I'm dealing with in the house." Just using that as an example, the worship team is fighting, and this, this, and this, and I need counsel because. part of me in my flesh because they done made him mad you know what i mean and blah blah so then we have this conversation and i have to explain to people like me talking to elder camellia about issues we're having in the house so that we can correct it is not the same as me calling joe bro around the street talking about hey over here flipping out you know it's like it's like you telling your parents they ain't allowed to talk about what's happening in the house you know what i mean and that was, that was very hard for immature people to understand. And it was very hard for me to understand when, you know, the last church or the church before that, I would hear stuff too. And so it takes some a maturity to know the difference between we're gossiping and we're trying to handle a situation, a situation you know, and it also takes maturity when the situation turns to gossip to say, "All right, all right, let's get it back, let's get it back, let's get it back," you know what I mean. And it's that's if people don't understand that yet, yeah, everybody said they want to be leaders, but it's like that's that's difficult.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: I, I, I totally agree with that because you
3: know in Longmore, <laughs> 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 But you know, but, you know uh, I I totally agree with everything that is being said. For the simple fact is that. You know, sometimes you can weigh something heavy on your heart, concerning a transaction or whatever, and need to come under some wise counseling to discuss it. But uh, I love the fact that what I heard overseer says that you stay in your lane with it. Mm -hmm. You don't veer too far to the right or to the left. If this is what is being discussed, let's discuss it as it relates to you. And let's get to an end and and resolve the issue, opposed to going on, venting on of things so i think what well, to what else is saying is that even in that according to the word of god we need to watch how we are addressing and watch yeah. what we are saying and, and more importantly than that the condition of the heart that is coming out of
2: mm-hmm. because we can help your condition without you telling me everybody else's business oh okay over support shop
1: <laughs>
2: but does it make sense though yeah. like yeah, you know like something like I've had people come like I need you I need to talk about my last church experience you know and then I'm like all right but in that it's like I don't necessarily have to have all the extra that's not necessary well this elder over there I'm like they got nothing to do let's stick with you because you still ain't told me what you was doing you know what I mean so it's a, it's a, it's a thin line between
0: yeah
3: and hate. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's it, I mean <laughs> our fairness, it's, it's really easy to cross it.
0: It's so illegal <laughs> really. because you can't see it. You caught up in that emotion, you're caught up in that moment of
2: talking about yeah. it. Because I mean, as leaders, how many times have we just like heard these stories? It was so disappointed in the other church or the other leader, and then all of a sudden, a year later, we looked at the person like, "That's why they treated you like that." Right? Yeah. Now I understand. (laughs) That's why he put you out the church. (laughs) You
0: shouldn't get that. Exactly. That's
2: why they act like that. Like no wonder.
1: Now I'm looking at them like
2: dang my bad. I, I, I should not have judged them Because yeah, like it's you. you. <laughs> <laughs> my a whole year looking at them like mm, mm, mm. And then you start acting yeah, people like that. Yeah, you start acting like you act, and I'm like, no, nah, they weren't treating you. They had to protect their peace and they got rid of you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we just going back to this slide, we got, it. I got it. <laughs> two, minutes. <laughs> two minutes, two minutes, oh, seven, long minute. I had something to add, <laughs> I was i no, go ahead, no, the leader's getting it out today,
1: <laughs> we're being free, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Sammy, go ahead, no, so, but I mean, <coughs> you know, when you hear that, we hear that, especially, you know, for the body, like, well, when we heard the child you know, just talking about, like, nobody. Talking about y'all, we don't
2: have time. We don't that. even want to have to discuss what yeah. we discussed.
1: No, that's why I it's an hour
0: now. Right, cut down an hour. Amen. So let me finish this slide here, <coughs> and then we'll pick up the rest next week. That's when we hop into the book. Okay, so I'm glad I got through these slides. So uh, going back to the slide, it says Scripture helps us. To see that the process of moving from a newborn babe to spiritual maturity is a task and a responsibility of all disciples of Jesus Christ. So it's not uh, your your pastor's responsibility; it's not the leader's responsibility, but it's everybody. So we all have a role to play in common edification. Okay, it work. Uh, this work happens more effectively um, in the culture of discipleship. Okay, uh, let me go here and see let me go finish this one here okay yeah beyond the principles seen in this passage here uh, seen in these passages of scripture are the basic components that are sure to result in progress towards spiritual maturity if adhered to with fidelity um, if it seems as though let me see here yeah Let uh, me go if it seems as though this is a lot of work to take upon as disciples then you have a good understanding but this is the work of the church of Jesus Christ Uh, contemporary local church congregants today must come to a place of realization that anything we have uh, that distracts from or making it difficult to do this work is not from the Lord so that's when we jump into the book and talk so uh, any questions or comments so far? up. So it is a responsibility. If you uh, help somebody get to Christ or get to discipleship, it is your responsibility to follow up with them. So it's it's a lot. And so we have to push past, uh, well, I'm not really a people person. I don't talk on the phone. That's me. I don't talk on the phone and I don't call people. I don't text people. But you have to push beyond of
1: what your flesh telling you who you are and push towards what God is expecting
0: of what is he's expecting from us to do. So, uh, okay. So if there aren't any other comments and questions, we'll close out. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for just allowing us to get together and to understand more about discipleship and how this work is not easy that um, we have a lot of work to do and it's about um, helping everyone to grow and use. It's about common edification. It's about uh, making sure that everyone is progressing and that uh, no, no disciples left behind, that we are pushing towards uh, knowing uh, and uh, becoming more like you God. We want to get to the point where, where we are spiritually mature, where we don't allow situations to affect, to affect our actions, but allow uh, us to respond to situations according to uh, the word of God. And so, God, we thank you that this is a lifelong journey, that um, in this we may not get it right the first, (laughs) second, or third time, but um, as long as we keep progressing in you, and we thank you for the grace that you've given unto us, even in this learning process, Father. And so, God, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor that you are due in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you all.
3: Mm